Welcome to the Countries for Kids podcast from Case of Adventure. I'm Karen and I'm so excited that you're listening today. I'm going to be reading from A Clash of Swords in Scotland from our Scotland Adventure book. To find out more, go to caseofadventure.com. Chapter 8, The Clues Solved. The following morning, they were all set to board a large red double-decker bus with Glasgow City bus tours emblazoned on the side. It was parked at the bus stop. After Donnie handed them their tickets and earphone packages, they boarded the bus, going straight up the stairs to the upper level. The bus was about half full and the sun shone warmly down on them. It's a good day for this, Uncle Alistair commented, although the weather could change in an instant. Mom helped the girls to plug in their earphones next to their seats and adjust the volume to hear the commentary. Rome turned to Donnie. Do you know much about the honours of Scotland? Donnie scratched his chin. It's funny you mention that. I was just talking to a friend who works at Edinburgh Castle and he said some people believe there were more to the honours than we thought. Their main pieces are the sword, the scepter and the crown, but some photos show another piece or mention a wand. There is, of course, the scabbard and the belt. Have you ever heard of other weapons being part of the honours? Rome pressed him. I have a vague memory of a second sword or something like that in some of the older history books that I've studied. There might have been other pieces at different points in history that have been lost since. Where would I find a book like that? Rome asked eagerly. You're very interested in the honours, aren't you? said Donny. Let me think. An ordinary library might have something... But generally, you would need a historic library, like at the University of Glasgow. Unfortunately, only university students and lecturers are allowed in. Rome was disappointed, but determined to keep investigating. They disembarked at the Grand St. Mungo's Cathedral. It had an attractive sloped green roof with huge spires. Donny showed them around. This used to be a Christian burial site. Then they built the cathedral over it. There was a movie about the history of the cathedral and the period before the Scottish Reformation. John Knox was mentioned and the children thought back to their visit to St. Andrew's Castle the previous week. Donnie pointed out a medieval stone house called the Provence Lordship, which dated back to the 15th century. This is one of the oldest houses in Glasgow and is where Mary, Queen of Scots, spent some of her days. Time for a break, Donnie continued. Let's hop back on the bus here. As a snack, Uncle Alistair purchased a few bags of potato chips. Some were plain salted and some huggis flavoured. The children gathered round him to look with interest at the bag of huggis flavoured potato chips. The dark blue and cream package declared, Mackies of Scotland, Huggis and Cracked Black Pepper Potato Chips, Naturally Grown. Naturally Grown Huggis, Jake commented. How about that? No, Naturally Grown Potatoes, Rome shoved Jake playfully. 
Did you know that hugguses have a front and back leg that are longer than the other two? Uncle Alistair teased him. To make it easier for them as they run around the mountain. Is that true? Libby asked in a surprised voice. Hugguses aren't real silly, Jake told her. All the children were keen to try the Huggis potato chips and even seemed to like them. They have kind of a smoky flavour, commented Rome. Unusual, but good. The children listened to their earphone commentary as they pulled up outside the People's Palace. Glasgow Green is a large park southeast of the city centre. It is home to the People's Palace, its museum and the Winter Gardens. The People's Palace offers insight into the captivating and often tumultuous history of the city of Glasgow. Enjoy your visit. There were three floors to the palace with the ground floor housing the museum's shop and temporary exhibitions. The first floor was divided into a series of areas, each reflecting a different aspect of life in historical Glasgow. The steamy gave details of Glasgow's historical clothes washing facilities. Dun the water illustrated the Clyde estuary where many Glaswegians had enjoyed the seaside in the 1800s. Then there were the World War exhibits. The children were most fascinated by the World War II bunkers with British history from the war, together with displays of everything from the popular swing dancing to the weaponry and tanks. Look at this, Wren called the others over to look at a duplicate of the sign from Edinburgh Castle. The honours of Scotland were buried in David's Tower during the war. It's the same picture and doesn't give any new information. The others sighed. The upper floor of the palace was divided into two main areas, one devoted to housing in Glasgow over the years and the other to the working lives of people in the past. Donnie took them on a narrated tour of what life had been like on Duke Street, Glasgow, the longest street in Britain, a century before. Running from the city centre to the tenement blocks of the East End, Duke Street has an interesting history. Many buildings were under threat and families fought to save them. Glasgow was the second largest city of the British Empire with its shipyards, textile mills and heavy industry. Thousands of people flocked to the city in search of work. The city became overcrowded and Glasgow's solution for housing workers close to work was to build tenements. A tenement is a set of rooms forming separate residences within a house or block of flats. These were tiny and crowded. It was not uncommon for a family of six to be squeezed into a single room. A bed in the corner could have all four children sleeping in it. The sitting room and bedroom were usually all in one, and the kitchen just a tiny alcove with a pull-down bed for mom and dad. Sleeping, eating and cooking all took place in one room. Many families didn't have their own toilets, so hygiene was a big problem. Disease was rife. There was filth, a stench, Poverty and crime. There were 1,500 flats in a small area across nine streets. During the post-war era, the city wanted to clean up the area, so many of the buildings were knocked down. 
They wanted to transform it into a city of beauty. They aimed to rehouse a quarter million people. Some people accepted the rehousing and others moved away. Some houses were preserved and redone by the local housing committee into flats with bathrooms. Even though conditions had been so awful, many people were sad to lose their family homes and some fought legal battles to keep their land. By this time the sun had retreated behind the clouds and most people had donned warmer tops. I told you you should be prepared for four seasons every day in Scotland, Uncle Alistair joked with them. They boarded the red bus once again and drove along the River Clyde. The boats on the water and the tall modern buildings on the shore were a marvellous sight. Wren plugged in her earphones and listened to the commentary. One of the most famous bridges in Scotland, the Clyde Ark, is visible from here. It's a huge steel structure supported with steel cables. If you love seeing cities from above, you can head to the south shore of the River Clyde and enjoy the view from the top of the Glasgow Tower. A strange-shaped metal and concrete structure, it holds a Guinness World Record for being the tallest tower that rotates 360 degrees. The tower has some structural problems and no longer rotates if visitors are inside it. It is closed to the public during high winds. Uncle Alistair, after checking with Mom, bought a few bottles of Urn Brew to give to the children. Urn Brew is Scotland's second national drink, he declared. What's the first national drink, asked Rome. Why, whiskey, of course, lad. But I wouldn't want to give that to you. You're way too young and bushy-tailed. The children couldn't help laughing at his funny expressions. I think we can expect Uncle Alistair to introduce us to all Scottish food, Dad joked. Aye, that's a tour of Scotland in itself, Uncle Alistair agreed. The urn brew was orange in colour, but didn't taste of orange, but rather like a cream soda drink. Mom allowed them to have about half their bottles and said they should keep the rest until later. The bus took them to the Riverside Museum, where they went aboard the tall ship Glen Lee. She was a magnificent red vessel that looked spectacular with the backdrop of the blue sky and the silver zigzag of the museum roof. Ahoy, me hearties! They were greeted by an actor dressed as an historic sailor. He showed them around. The Glen Lee has been round the world. She worked as a cargo ship for 20 years, sailing around the world four times and surviving 15 passages around the treacherous Cape Horn. Strong winds, currents, large waves and icebergs have made the Cape Horn notorious as a sailor's graveyard. This ship is called a bark, which is a sailing vessel with three or more masts, with the main mast rig squared like this and other one front to back like this, he illustrated with his hands. The children enjoyed exploring the ship and having their photos taken with the captain and crew who were dressed in historic clothes. The crew also showed the group how the ship's upkeep was done, from scrubbing the deck to hoisting the sails. Donnie declared that it was lunchtime. Time to try a Scottish delicacy, deep-fried anything. They all laughed and heartily agreed. Uncle Alistair beckoned the children towards a street vendor and showed them the menu. 
There's pizza crunch, deep fried pizza. There's deep fried haggis, deep fried butter bowls, macaroni pie, and good old beef burgers. Dad, Rome, and Jake chose deep fried pizza and were fascinated, watching the street vendor dip slices of pre cooked pizza into batter and then into boiling oil. It came out thick and crispy. He added vinegar and brown sauce to it and handed them the container. It tastes like fish, was Jake's first comment. Mom laughed at the unexpected comparison. Aye, that's the oil, Uncle Alistair responded. The same oil is used to cook many things, including fish. Not the healthiest of meals, Mom mused. But you got to try it once, Uncle Alistair boomed, patting her on the shoulder. Mom grinned at him and nodded. Libby and Tiffany chose macaroni pie, which were small pies filled with a mac and cheese filling. The others decided to have beef burgers, some with kimchi and some without. Uncle Alistair told them, We had a get-together a year ago where the ladies decided that we shouldn't have deep-fried pizza and Mars bars, as they were too unhealthy, but that they would make us some deep-fried salad and boiled eggs. They cut up pieces of lettuce, cucumbers and tomatoes, made boiled eggs, dipped everything in batter and then deep-fried them. It was a hoot. The tomatoes burned some mouths, but were delicious. Deep-fried salad, I tell ye. What do you think of that, lass? He asked Libby, who put her hand over her mouth and giggled. I like pizza. Tiffany wanted to try the pizza, so Dad gave her a bite of his. She looked surprised at the unexpected taste and went back to her macaroni pie. The boys did not feel very well after the rich deep-fried pizza, so the family went for a slow walk and then boarded the bus and drove past the majestic University of Glasgow. They had a great view of the university, standing proudly on the hill. They drove past the Glasgow Botanic Gardens and the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery and Museum. There is one of the finest collections of arms and armour in the world at this museum, Donny told them. Aye, including me great-grandfather's battle clothes, joked Uncle Alistair. Donny laughed and continued. But we will see lots of that in Inverness. I think we'll skip this one and spend more time at the National Piping Centre. There we can learn all about the history of the bagpipe. That sounds exciting, Jake exclaimed. Yes, I'd like to learn about where the instrument came from, Wren agreed. I'd like to play one, Rome added. Aye, I think you'll have that moment soon, lad. Uncle Alistair was very keen for them to learn more about the music and history of the Highland bagpipe. That's all for now. See you next time.